today is a special day for us at City Chapel. We have uh, our very first ever guest speaker, and um, the microphone is going to work for him, so you're going to be able to hear him. Um, and uh, this is a guy as one of our overseers uh, here at City Chapel. We have three overseers who have been overseeing our ministry and specifically checking in with me and Roe. And uh, so they know all about you. You guys don't know all about them, but they know all about you. We've been sharing with uh, Pastor Robin about you all, and uh, Pastor Robin is with us today. He's the um, senior pastor of Promised Land San Marcos. He planted Promised Land San Marcos uh, 150 years ago, and uh, it was uh, it's been a, it's been a great success. Uh, anyway, uh, so he's left he's left the church. They're having three services now, and uh, about a thousand people on Sunday. So he left all of them to come up here to speak a message into you all. And uh, so I'm I'm ready to receive from him. He's uh, he's definitely an authentic man of God, and he hears from the Lord, and he loves us, and uh, he loves you all. And so he, uh, I could go on and on about how they sent us out from Promised Land, and several of you are from Promised Land, and uh, so it's kind of like having, it's kind of like having your parents come home to visit, you know, when you first, like when you get your first house, and so you want to make sure the sound works on the videos and stuff like that, but. Um, otherwise, it, it's kind of, but, you know, hey, it's all good. Uh, they get to see us uh, just kind of as we are. Um, it's good to have them with us. Would you stand up and just give him a hand clap? Go ahead and rise up. Come on, on your feet. Give him a hand clap. Welcome. Wow, so good to be here. You may be seated. Thank you so much, Pastor Harry. Uh, it's great to see, great to see you. And man, I'm the first guest speaker. No pressure. I may be the last one if I don't do well. Oh man, but if you're going to have somebody preach every week, it's good to have Harry Fleming preaching for you every week. That's an awesome, awesome thing to have. Uh, My wife, Erica's with me today. Uh, She really didn't want to come, but... uh, Awkward moment. You know, it was just a strange, strange week. But uh, she left what she was doing at our church and came because uh, she did want to hang out with all you guys. Um, it's good to see all the people that were a part of Promised Land Church. If you were a part of Promised Land Church in San Marcos, wave your hand up in the air. Yeah. Good to see all y'all. All of y'all here, good to know that you're still in the way of the Lord here at uh, City Chapel, that Harry hasn't led you astray. So every, every Monday morning, I text Harry and ask him how things went, and we text, and every once in a while, we talk on the phone or go out to lunch. So I don't have to do that tomorrow, because I'm here, and I see it firsthand. Um, it's an amazing thing, what's happening here, and I remember it was about two years ago that we prayed over you guys and sent you out for about a six-month period to get prepared for the big launch of this church in January of last year. And here you are, a year and a half after the launch, and things are going so well. So it's an honor to be an overseer of the church. And because your leadership is so strong with the Flemings and the Branhams and um, all the other leaders that you have here, it makes my job as an overseer very easy um, Harry and Harry and Rowena are just fantastic people. Uh, we've known them for six or seven, eight years now. I don't know. It's been a while, 150 or whatever you said. Um, just great people. I've been in church all my life, and it's rare to find people like Harry and Rowena that are so passionate about Jesus, that are so biblically sound, and so stylish. Right? I'm kind of glad he left our staff because I was always intimidated by coming to work and just thinking, am I dressed cool enough for Harry today? Am I, am I cool enough for Harry? I even shaved this portion of my head this week to fit in with City Chapel. Do I look good? Come on, somebody take a picture of this. Post this right here. The full... The full side shave. Oh, man. So good to be here. All right. So does anybody need some good news this week? 
man, I don't know about you. I need some good news, right? It was good news when I saw Miss Clayton here this morning. I don't know if y'all know her by Miss Clayton. But this is Senora Clayton, my Spanish teacher from my senior year in high, junior year in high school. I haven't seen her in 22 years. That's awesome. Man. So um, I want to speak to you a word today called simply good news. Why the gospel is news, first of all, but then also what makes it good. And uh, I don't know about you, but every time I read the newspaper or turn on the television, it seems like there's bad news everywhere, right? Um, so just yesterday, there was this uh, tragic hot air balloon accident over in Lockhart. Uh, 16 people lost their lives, and it was all over national news. It was the second biggest uh, loss of life in a hot air balloon accident in the world, the history of the world that we know of. It happened in Lockhart, Texas. And uh, our church is about to plant a new campus there in Lockhart. And so, man, when, we, when I read that headline, when I saw that, it was just like, oh. And then we never know what the politicians are going to say every time we turn on the television. And the, the big conventions, the Republican, the Democrat uh, conventions just finished. And you hear all the people talking on the news. And uh, what are the radio folks going to be saying? What are they going to be announcing? And it's just a crazy cycle of news. And so uh, every time this cycle turns over, there's always uh, big stories about poverty, about disease. Uh, Zika is the big thing right now. Every time we open up the newspaper, see something on television, it's about how Zika is going to come in and, and kill us all. And uh, there, there's just diseases going on. There's hate. There's racism. There's murder. There's crime. There's natural disaster, hurricanes, tornadoes. Floods. Texas has been bombarded with flooding, especially central Texas, and especially our town in San Marcos had two amazingly devastating floods last year. And so I get my, my news from a variety of sources. Um, every morning I wake up and I read USA Today, and I have it on my iPod, iPad. I have a link uh, right here, an app. Click on it. USA Today is kind of cool because it's got very short little stories about all the things that's going on. And so I'm able to scan through all the news. Uh, then I have about a 10-minute drive to where I work at the church. And so I usually turn on uh, 5.90 a.m. Any, any talk radio fans in here? Anybody like to listen to news radio? So I listen to little Todd and Don on the way to work and they're always talking about something controversial they're always trying to get people to call in and talk about things that are that are crazy and weird so then throughout the day of course i'm on social media and i'm i'm seeing links of different news stories and clicking on them reading about them then at night every once in a while i'll turn on the television and usually when i turn on the television i don't want to watch commercials so i just pause it and then i'll go live my life for an hour or two then i'll come back and fast forward through everything. That's what I was doing through the conventions. I didn't want to watch every speech and everybody saying everything. So I would just pause it and then I'd go do stuff. And then I'd come back and just fast forward it. And just see all the stuff that I wanted to see. Anybody else in here getting some news? Some bad news over the last few, last few days, last few weeks. It's just crazy, isn't it? And so it, we're bombarded with this all the time. We, we hear things. We see things. And then... Not just the news, but we do pastor a church of a lot of people. About a thousand show up on Sunday. And so you can imagine all the emails I get, phone calls and things that, not news of people that I don't know, but news from people I do know. And just telling me things that are going on in their life and difficulty. So the only way that I'm able to listen and watch and read so much negativity and still have a good perspective of my life and of the world is because I begin every single day reading the good news first. Anybody else out there read the good news at any point in your life? Well, I'm glad you're here today because I want to share with you what that good news is. It's 
the Word of God. And I began at a very early age. I know Pastor Harry's the same way. We began at an early age to make a habit, to build into our life a habit of reading the Word of God before we do anything else in our day. And what happens when we read the Word of God before we read USA Today or turn on the television or uh, read anything online, when we do that, we are putting ourselves in a perspective or like these glasses I have on these are lenses and when we read the word of God it's like putting on a lens to see the whole world a lens is a good analogy of of how we see the world but also uh, foundation if you think about a rocket ship that takes off it has a certain trajectory that it goes up and Scientists will tell you if that trajectory is off just a little bit, by the time it gets up into outer space, space it's going to be uh, tens of thousands of miles off its uh, desired course because it started off on the wrong trajectory. And so that's what happens when we read the Word of God. We have a lens of the good news. We're seeing the world through the good news of Jesus Christ. But we also have a firm foundation in which to live our daily life. It gives us a solid, secure foundation to stand on and to operate. So, when you read the Bible, there's a couple of different ways you can do it. There's really a reactive way to read the Bible, and there's a proactive way to read the Bible. And what I want to try to share with you today is the way the Bible was designed and written by God. It was designed and written to be read in a proactive way of reading the Bible would be like reading the Bible like it's a medicine cabinet. And your life stinks today, and so I need to open up the medicine cabinet of the Bible and pick out some scriptures to deal with the serious thing that I'm specifically dealing with today. This medicine cabinet type uh, reactive way of reading the Bible. And so whatever I need today, let's see, I heard about that verse somewhere in there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dig through. I'm going to find that one passage about uh, hope of uh, a new job or that one passage about healing uh, my sickness or whatever it is that you're dealing with in your life. And so we can use the Bible like it's a medicine cabinet. But there's a different way. Actually, I feel like God is wanting us to read his word. That's the proactive way. Reading the Bible and losing yourself in the wholeness of the story of God. Instead of it being specifically about you, you find out that the story of God goes much further beyond who you are. And in fact, you're not the main character of the story. You're just a part You're just a part of the story, a character, and God is actually the main character of this amazing story. So you begin to lose yourself in the word of God, and you you let it affect your entire view of the world, your view of yourself, and your view of God. Let me put it to you in a very Austin kind of way, since we're in Austin. Think of the Bible more as a Whole Foods market instead of Walgreens. Y'all with me? You're going to eat healthy. You're going to eat correctly. You're going to get the different nutrients and vitamins and things that you need in the, in the way that you eat a healthy diet so that you don't have to go all the time finding the right medicine to deal with the way that you've lived your life in the wrong way. Anybody awake up in here this morning? All right. All right. I know it's quiet, but. There's so many people in the world today that don't take care of their physical body and they, and they ingest and view and participate in all kinds of things that are unhealthy and then they spend their life trying to find the secret in order to deal with the problems that they have. Instead of having a different perspective of living a healthy lifestyle and eating correctly and uh, you know participating in a, in a healthy lifestyle, a wholesome whole lifestyle 
And then you find out you don't have near as many issues come up that you have to deal with when you're living in this other way. And so that's what I want to share with you about the Bible today and what the good news is simply good news of Jesus Christ is that it brings us a whole different perspective on the world and on ourselves. The Bible brings us good news. And if you've been around church any amount of time, you've heard that the term gospel means good news. That's what the word gospel actually means. And so when you look at the Bible's first four books of the New Testament, it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Those four books are called the gospels because they talk about the life and times of Jesus Christ. And so this is the good news of Jesus Christ. It's an amazing, an amazing story about a God who loved the, the world so much he put himself into the world to bring good news. So I want you to start thinking about today, I want to hope to, hope to just kind of open up your thinking and open up your mind to think about God and think about the word of God in a different perspective about how it's news and how it's good. The truth is that Jesus in his work on the cross and the resurrection from the dead was not just good enough to save you back on the back row over there and you over here on the front row over here and individuals here and there on the planet. In fact, the resurrection of, of Jesus Christ was so good, it was so amazing that it has the power to restore and resurrect and bring healing to the whole planet. The whole world, the whole creation, Paul wrote in Romans 8, 22. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. He's talking about the tension of the whole planet. And when you think about the natural disasters of the planet and the tornadoes and the hurricanes and the floodings and the drought and the heat... Uh, and global warming and all the things that are happening on the planet today and think about all the bad news that's going on when you turn on the TV or turn on the, uh, on the internet. When you see all of this, you just get a sense that the whole earth is groaning. It's got this, this tension, this pain, and this suffering. And it's, it's not just you. And it's not just America, and it's not just China, and it's not just uh, Europe or Africa. It's the whole earth groaning. And the reason why the whole earth is groaning is because sin is in the earth. Sin is actually the author of all bad news. It's because sin is in the earth that we don't want to watch the television. We don't want to watch the news. We don't want to read the papers. We don't want to go to the doctor because we're afraid of the diagnosis that we'll get. Sin is the reason why we have bad news. It's the reason why we have anxiousness. Sin is the reason why there's contamination, that our world is plagued since the Garden of Eden. There's been this course of destruction. God created this amazing planet. It was beautiful and perfect in every way. And there wasn't floods and there wasn't droughts and there wasn't cancer or diabetes. There was no divorce. There was no death. There was, it was amazing. It was an amazing planet. Everything was perfect. Rebellion came in and humans began to participate in that rebellion and, and choose, they chose to believe a lie about God instead of believing the truth. And because they believed a lie about God, it set the whole planet, it set humanity on a different course. It set the plants on a different course. In fact, the Bible says that after sin came into the world that thorns and thistles grew up from the earth. So the literal uh, uh, biology of the earth began to shift and change because sin was here. There was possibly mosquitoes before sin, but they didn't mess with you before sin happened. Then all of a sudden, a scorpion became a stinging scorpion after sin. And death happened 
after sin. And so this world has been on a course of separation from God since humanity divorced itself from God. And we can be critical of Adam and Eve and say, why did you take that fruit? If you'd have just obeyed God, if you'd have just trusted that God had everything taken care of, if you'd just believed that God had taken care of your life and he loves you and he wants to take care of, if you'd have just believed that and not eaten that fruit, our world would be so different today. Right? It, it, it probably wouldn't. Because if you, if you read the next generation, they sin too. In fact, their own kids killed each other. Adam and Eve's kids killed each other. So, so that sin continued to them, and it continued to the next generation, until the next generation, until the next generation. And here we are today, and I am standing before you as a person who has sinned in his life. I, I am a pastor, and I have been in church for many, many years. But I couldn't stand up here today and tell you that I have been without sin in my life. I have sinned in my life. We all, the Bible says, have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, of the perfection of God, of the holiness. God is perfect and righteous and holy and pure in every way. And humanity is not anywhere close to the beauty and the perfection of God. If you've done well this week and you haven't done anything wrong, you're feeling really good about yourself. Maybe you've gone a whole month and you haven't done anything wrong. Just, I'm just, I'm just a good person. And I'm not like Donald Trump and I'm not like Hillary. I'm not, I'm not like all these other people that are liars and cheaters. And you, you just feel so good about yourself because you haven't done anything wrong in a long time. Even at the peak of your holiness and your goodness, you're about this high right here. And the holiness of God is so much further beyond what you've just been able to accrue with your goodness. We live in a broken world. We live in a world that is so contaminated and such on the wrong course. Yet at the same time, God so loved that broken world that he chose to write himself into the story and come into the world. He gave his only begotten son that whoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So when Jesus came to the earth, as John, the first chapter says, he was the creative word of God that became flesh. He was the son of God entering into his own creation to become a part of the story until this point, God was the author of the story and he kind of had a distance and people could connect with God, but it was a very strict procedural process that they had to go all throughout these different procedures and finally get to this certain place. And then God would meet with one person once a year at this one place at the center of the village. But now everything was about to be completely different. When Jesus Christ comes to the world he comes into the world. He's born as a baby. He, he didn't come. He, Jesus, when he came, he didn't descend down with a big crown on his head and come down, floating down as a full-grown man, muscular, and ready to just dominate like a big warrior. That's not how God came when he came. How did he come? He was born as a weak, innocent baby, and he wasn't even born in a palace. Instead, he was born in a in a cave on the backside of a nondescript town in the nation of Israel. He lived a life of sinless activity. He, he performed miracles, but he was never without, uh, he was never with sin. He rejected temptation by the power of the Holy Spirit. He was obedient to the Father every day of his life. He lived this amazing life, and then he willingly laid down his life he took on the sins of the world, past, present, and future. And he took on the punishment that we deserve as humanity for separating ourselves 
from him. Colossians 2.13 says, And you, being dead in your trespasses, or sins, you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, that means you're unholy. You've done things that aren't right. And you have, and, and you have not done things that were right. He has made alive together with him, having forgiven you of all your trespasses, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, which was contrary to us. And he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross, having disarmed principalities and powers. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. That passage right there is good news. It is a proclamation to everybody in here today that no matter what course your life has been on up until this moment or up until you understand who Jesus Christ is, no matter what course your life has been on, there is a new thing happening in the timeline of your life. That God is actually breaking into your timeline. Think about your life as a timeline, you're born here, you're going to die over here, and here, uh, in fact, in the book of Mark, it says when uh, John the Baptist and Jesus got together and Jesus was baptized, uh, that John the Baptist says, behold, the kingdom is at hand. The kingdom is breaking into our life right now. And no matter what happened up until this point in your timeline, everything is about to change because Jesus is breaking into your life. This God who was afar, who was way beyond us and distant and disconnected, and we only connected to him through these holy scriptures and the words and the processes and the procedures. Now he was made a man. Now he went through everything that we've gone through, yet was without sin. And now if we believe in him and his work, our life is going to be different. Our life's not going to be the same as the way it used to be. And this is good news. This is, this is actually how the first believers proclaimed the good news. When they witnessed Jesus' resurrection, they would burst in to people's neighborhoods and houses and, and workplaces and proclaim the news of Jesus just like it was a headline. Hey, something has happened. Someone came and something happened, and as a result everything's going to change. This is good news. Listen, this is good news. You got to hear about this. You're never going to believe what happened. This is, this is amazing. This changes everything. And so what I'm here today to tell you and help you understand, some of you have heard this message all your life. Some of you are just brand new to this. So wherever you are on that spectrum, I want to help you get the understanding of why this is a proclamation of news and why it's good. I want us to go back to the old days of like the, the apostles and the disciples and be able to stand with assurance and proclaim good news to your neighborhood. Proclaim good news at the PTA meeting, right? At the family reunion where there's always bickering and fighting or whatever. Proclaim good news at the school this year as it starts up. Proclaim, you know, whether that's in the hallways, that's in the classroom, that's on the athletic field, wherever you are, to be able to have the good news put the, our whole perspective in the good news of Jesus Christ. So no matter what you read, no matter what comes up in your life, no matter who's against you, no matter what diagnosis you get, it doesn't affect who you are inside because you have a different perspective. No matter what the newspaper says, no matter who gets elected, right? We have fear in our life because we're afraid of what's going to come up in our future. When we have fear in our life, it's because we don't have the perspective of the good news of Jesus. It's because we have begun to let our fear dictate who we are. All right, so uh, I, I want to I give you a couple examples of how this works. Um, I want you to pretend you're, you're sitting in Starbucks. You're just enjoying the day or pick your favorite coffee shop or whatever, you know library, whatever, you know, wherever you like to hang out and relax. Okay, you're not doing anything. You're just relaxing, sipping, you know, your venti, whatever, you know. You got seven shots in there. You're trying to relax. That's not going to work, is it? 
All right, so you're just sitting there, and all of a sudden, somebody bursts in the door. Hey, good news. Guess what happened? You're never going to believe what happened. Something amazing happened. And you're sitting there going, what in the world? Why is this guy busting into Starbucks? Why is he busting into the coffee shop telling the whole place that there's something's changed? Let me give you a couple reasons why that could happen. All right, so first of all, maybe you're in Cleveland. You're in Cleveland, and it's the end of June, and he bursts through the door. Great news. Great news. I just saw LeBron James play the game of his life. He finished off the Golden State Warriors in Game 7, and Cleveland has won the NBA championship. We're winners. We're not losers anymore. The city's going to be different. They haven't won a championship in 60-plus years. Now things are different. LeBron has come. He's the Savior. He was here, and then he left, and it's the second coming, right? And now everything's different. All right, that's one, one example. Okay, shut that down. Here's example two. Example two, you're sitting there. Somebody busts in. Good news, good news. I can't, I can't believe it. I just found out, I just got an email from my doctor that they found a cure for my son's disease. He's not going to die. I thought he was going to die. The doctor said he was going to die, but they found a cure, a medicine that they have developed and it's going to be available. My son is not going to die. Amazing news, right? Especially for this man who just burst through the door, but he's so excited. He's got to tell everybody about it. Okay, third, third example. You're in Detroit, Michigan. I knew Harry would like this one. You're in Detroit, Michigan. He's from Michigan. And Harry's third cousin bursts through the door. Good news. Good news. You're not, you're not going to believe what has happened to Detroit. I just got the news as I was driving over here that Google, Facebook, Apple, Microsoft, Amazon are all moving to Detroit. They're moving all of their manufacturing here. They're, they're bringing all of their headquarters here. Everybody's going to get a job. Everybody's going to live in prosperity. As you know, Michigan has had some hard times. Detroit's had some issues with some crime and some unemployment. So this is good news. So this, this is what I, uh, I want you to, to grasp out of all these. Let me, let me teach you a little bit about news that you may not have realized before. There's three components to good news that are really vital. The first one is this. A good news stories, uh, good news stories always have a context of a bigger story. So whenever you get good news, it's not just that one tidbit. Good news is always a part of a bigger story. So in Cleveland, as I said earlier, the bigger story is they had not won a championship in 64 years. This, that, this one is the true story, all right? If you're not a basketball fan, this is actually a true story. We have, they, they haven't won a, a championship in 60-some-odd years. And LeBron James brought them the championship home. So the context is not just that LeBron's on the team, not just that he won the victory with, you know, leading the team to victory, but the bigger context is that this team, this, this whole city, that's been in depression from a sports perspective for so long now has a different perspective on their, on their city. It's a bigger story. It's a story within a bigger story. With the man who comes in to talk about this, this, new, um, this new medicine that they found, it's not just the medicine that's important. The bigger story is that his son was going to die. And now because this medicine has come, it's affecting a bigger story besides just the medicine itself. And with Michigan, I just kind of mentioned it too. The, the town has been, this is a true story, Michigan's been in really tough times economically. And so the fact that all these new, uh, and this part's actually not true, so don't print this or text this or tweet this. All those companies are actually not going to Detroit. They're in Austin and San Francisco, all right? So uh, good news for Austin, yeah. But if that did happen in Michigan and Detroit, it'd be like, ah, oh, the bigger story is that unemployment is going to go down. Prosperity is coming. 
It's going to be awesome. So there's a, bigger, there's a bigger story. Number two, a good news story is about an event that occurred that will consequently change everything. Everything will be different. My son will be healed. Our economy will be revived. The third thing is a news story, good news story, often introduces a period of waiting. I want you to think about the, the guys who has a son who has a disease that's going to kill him, but the cure has been found. Well, the cure is coming someday, and the cure is going to heal uh, his son someday. In the meantime, his son is still in the hospital. His son is still in the NICU. His son is still suffering. We have good news that healing is coming, but that might be a while off. All right, good news has come to Detroit, and all these companies are coming, but it's going to take a while for them to move here. It's going to take a while for them to build their factories and to hire people, and it's going to take several years in order for this unemployment to go down and the good news to actually be completely fulfilled. We're going to see some trickling in. We're going to see some jobs. We're going to see some excitement. We're living in between the announcement of the good news and the complete fulfillment of it. Y'all with me this morning? N.T. Wright wrote a book called Simply Good News. He said, what good news regularly does then is put a new event in an old story. Point to a wonderful future that's out of reach and introduce a new period in which instead of living a hopeless life, people are now waiting with excitement for what they know is on the way. The gospel of Jesus Christ does all three of these things. It is a new story that is a part of a much bigger story. It's much bigger than your diabetes. It's much bigger than your divorce. It's much bigger than your bankruptcy. It's much bigger than even your personal salvation. It's a part of a story that is much bigger than you. It brings about something that will change everything forever. When Jesus Christ comes, he changes everything. When Jesus rose from the dead, he defeats death, hell, and the grave. He, he conquers Satan when he resurrects from the dead. It's like the future that has been taken and dropped into the storyline right in the middle. And, and it's this picture of resurrection. It's the picture of conquering death. It's this picture of victory and ultimate, ultimate winning, ultimate salvation. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it's, it's a truthful event that happened. Now everybody that lives on this side of the resurrection. That gets happened. And we have not yet seen the fulfillment of that resurrection completely renewing everything. We call that heaven. When we live in a place where it's going to be just like the Garden of Eden. It's going to be awesome. We're going to be naked and unashamed. Come on, somebody. By the way, when Harry says, come on, somebody, he got that from me. I just want to tell you that. I want to tell you that right now. I got it from somebody else, so hey. Uh, I, have, I heard a pastor the other day, he's like, you know, teaching on, you know, being modest and all that. You're not going to see bikinis in heaven. You're not going to see shorts in heaven. He was just like, just pounding on this. And I was like, that's right, because we're going to be naked. <laughs> Clothes are a part of covering up sin. If you go back and read the original story of Adam and Eve, that God actually had to, had to kill an animal to cover up the ugliness that, that sin had began to, to create. And so heaven's going to be awesome. It's going to be amazing. We're going we're gonna to live the life that we always wanted to live. We're going to live the life that Jesus deserved, right? Because he lived a perfect life. We're going to live the life that Jesus deserved. And we're going to be able to do that because we're going to believe we're, we're going to believe that he took the death and the separation of, from God that we deserve. We're going to trade that. We're going to live forever with God in heaven. It's going to be awesome. The resurrection of Jesus is going to provide for us the avenue to live in heaven forever and ever with God, with him forever and ever and ever. 
but heaven hasn't happened yet. And we live in the middle, in between the resurrection and the full recovery and rebirth and regeneration of everything when we live together with him forever and ever and ever. That's the context of the good news of Jesus Christ. Actually, gospel and good news is not original with the story of Jesus. In fact, it was actually a terminology that they used back in the old days, even before Jesus. There was the very first uh, parts of the Roman government, uh, Julius Caesar, which you probably read about in history. Julius Caesar uh, was the leader of that area of Rome, and it was the beginnings of this amazing nation or, or whatever you want to call Rome when it was at its finest and its fullest and its most powerful. It, it was the leader of the world. Well, Julius Caesar was at the beginning of that whole reign and he, uh, when, you, when you hear Caesar, the term Caesar, it was more than just king. Caesar wasn't his last name, all right? That was like his title. And Caesar was like king plus God. He was actually, they considered him some like to be a god. And so when he died, it caused a a big upheaval in the whole region. And there began this tumultuous civil war that happened between Octavius and Antony. And Shakespeare actually wrote about this um, in his plays. That was a true story. There was this upheaval of um, civil war between Octavius and uh, Antony. And the whole world was caught between both of them and who's going to win, who's going to be the next Caesar. Well, finally, the the word began to be proclaimed throughout the land. Good news. Good news. Octavius has won, and he is going to be the new Caesar, and there's going to be peace in the land. He's going to provide peace. He's going to provide security, and everything's going to be awesome again. They proclaim the gospel that Octavius was going to be the new Caesar. This was good news for them. Now, he's going to establish peace. Everything's going to be awesome. Everything's going to be good. However, it's going to be two or three years before his reign is fully established. He's got to continue to clean up some things before he returns to Rome. And so everybody living in that region lived in the tension between when Octavius had actually won the battle and the time he would come and triumphantly return to Rome and everything would be fully established. That is the context in which the gospel of Jesus Christ comes into the world. And it's not just good news for the people of Rome. It's not just good news for you and for me. It's good news for the whole world. It's good news for everybody in the whole world. Sometimes we can be tempted to give people good advice instead of good news. Jesus is better than good advice. Man, like I said earlier, I I hear from people all the time. In fact, Tuesday, this past Tuesday, I had four major situations come up. Two came into my office and two I talked to on the phone and it covered about a five-hour span of Tuesday afternoons, like one right after another and after another. And whenever you hear of life situations of betrayal, divorce, uh, sexual abuse, um, financial situations, um, all these tough, tough issues that people are dealing with, our first temptation as a human being is to give anecdotal advice to them, to say, okay, well, what you need to do is set this boundary and do this, and this will fix that, and don't think about this, and try to pull out some scriptures even and make it sound biblical and scriptural and try to solve their problems so that they'll just continue to go, okay, I'm healed. I'm back on my path. I'm, I'm, I'm okay now because I feel like I dealt with my issue instead of giving them just advice. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. We all need advice sometimes. We all need boundaries sometimes. We all need to change some things about our life sometimes. But if we are not living in the truth of the good news then it doesn't matter what kind of advice you give somebody, it's going to be void and empty of complete, whole healing. When you have that perspective of what Christ has done and what his resurrection means, then you can face any 
challenge or temptation or trial in your life and be victorious because of what the resurrection of Jesus Christ means. How much time do I have? What time do y'all finish? Sure. Okay. Let me finish with this story. Do y'all have somebody like, can you come play or somebody that I, I can like wind down? I may just keep going if you don't do that. Um, let, me te- let me give you this one example, and then I want to pray with you guys. So um, if you haven't heard our story, my wife was pregnant in 2001 with our, our first child, and we're so excited about her life and her, you know, you had your first kid, you're like, yeah, she's going to be awesome. She's going to graduate, she's going to get married. Ah, we're so excited about that. Then we get the news that she's probably going to die because of this condition that she has, and uh, you know, her brain didn't form correctly. The doctor said she's going to live for a few months and then uh, she'll be completely disabled. She'll probably be blind and deaf and won't be able to respond. And so we're just given all this horrible news, horrible news, devastating, painful news. It was like a death, even though she was still, our daughter was still alive, it was still a death because it was like the death of all of our dreams, all the plans that we had. Um, and so how could you have a good perspective on life if this is the way your child is going to turn out and be? And I'm here to tell you today that that was uh, 14 and a half years ago, and our daughter's going to turn 15 in November. She's still alive, and she's still kicking, and she's doing really, really well. However, she has a whole lot of complications. She's in a wheelchair. She's unable to do really anything for herself. She, she can see. She laughs, and she, she responds to us. She, has, she loves rap music. You know, she's just like a lot of 14-year-old girls. You know, she's, she's got a lot of things, that are, but she's got so many disabling things about her, and so there's so many dreams that aren't going to come to pass from our earthly perspective. How, how then can we have a normal life? You know, like there's, that, that would crush people to some degree that they wouldn't even be able to operate or be normal. And it's just an amazing picture of the grace of God and the good news of Jesus Christ that we can meet people like this when our kids aren't with us or they're with other people. And they would have no clue that we have the situation we have going on in our life. And it's not because... We, it's not like before we got in here, we're like, okay, we're going we're gonna to look like, we, like we're happy. We're going to really try hard today. We're, we're going to do our best to be spiritual and act like pastors, you know, and act like we're happy and act like we have. We don't have to do that because the authentic joy of Jesus Christ is in our heart. And we know that someday, someday, he's going to make all things right. He's going to make it so much right I believe it's going to be like a great reversal, a great reversal, like it didn't even happen. He's going, to, he's going to wipe every tear from your eye. There's going to be no more pain. There's going to be no more suffering. There's going to be no more heartache. There's going to be no more racism or bitterness or prejudice or, or anything that would cause fear or anxiousness or anxiety or stress. Would you... Why don't you stand to your feet right now? I just want to pray. I believe that, uh, I believe that God is speaking to people in here today to, to share with you that you don't have to keep having to have the same perspective, that heaviness, or that fear, that anxiousness. Oh, no, what if this happens? What if he is elected? Ah! What if she is elected? Ah! Guess what? The president of the United States is not the leader of the free world. Jesus is the leader of the free world. Now I'm thankful for government. I get it. I get involved. I vote and I appreciate it. But it's it's not the main story. It's not the main storyline. I hate to, to break it to them. The Supreme Court is not the highest court of the land. God is the judge. And he's flawless when he judges. He's not ever going to make a mistake. You can rest assured if there's been any injustice in your life that God's going to have the ultimate say in that. You don't have to take it into your own hands. You don't have to be the judge and the jury and the lawyers. You can trust that that Jesus Christ is going to take care of all of that. He's going to redeem you. He's going to help you. 
You may have some bad storylines and headlines in your life, but you can rest assured he's going to have the last word. He's going to help you no matter what you're going through. Would you bow your heads with me right now? Close your eyes. and Let's go to him. I don't know if you are familiar with how to talk to God, but you just, you just talk to him like he's right there beside you, that he's with you. He's listening. I'm here to tell you today that he loves you. Some of you have some headlines that you've made yourself. You've made some mistakes in your own life. You've created the headline, the bad headline. I'm here to tell you today that God loves you. He forgives you. He's ready to start you on a new course, a new beginning, a fresh start. That you don't have to keep being bound by your past or the mistakes of your past, but instead he can define who you are. He can create an identity for you that is based in him. Some of you have been abused and neglected by other people. You've had things happen to you that were not your fault. You've been a victim, a legitimate victim that you did not create the situation, but instead it it happened to you because of someone else's sin. I'm here to bring good news of Jesus Christ to you today that he can restore and redeem your broken heart. He can fill the void that was stripped and and, uh, stolen from you. That Jesus Christ is the author of the story. That this story is bigger than what you are and that he can create in you a new beginning and a new life. He can restore you and he can create a new storyline he can he can make your future different than what you thought it was trapped to be or locked in to be and if you're struggling with proving yourself proving your side of the story making sure they pay you can rest easy today god knows everything and he's gonna have the last word He's an awesome heavenly father. He's an awesome judge that will, that will effectively and perfectly make things right in your life. Let's go to him right now. Let's just say, you can repeat after me if you'd like, or you can say it in your own words, however you'd like, but let's just say, heavenly father, come into our